Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, March 28th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? It was a 12-hour workday, so I'm tired. I'm sore. Despite putting three slices of pizza, that's half an oven pizza, in my body less than five minutes ago, I'm starving. It was minus 20 out, and I was wearing Vans, so I'm cold. But I've got one thing keeping me going. Tickets to a poppy concert tomorrow, but till then, podcasting with you, and especially hearing about Team Canada's ticket booking win is going to keep me going till then. How are you doing? Yes, sir. I am, well, I am also tired. Kind of, yeah, I didn't work 12 hours, but I did wake up at 5.30 this morning to hop on a train from Toronto to London uh, and then spent the rest of the day working. So it is, I am tired and I spent five hours out in the cold yesterday. Uh, I was quadruple layered all the way through. It was windy and frosty down at BMO Field, but we were kept warm by beer and also an excellent performance and an unforgettable memory. It was an electric atmosphere at BMO Field in Toronto. Home field advantage shone through 30,000 strong, and it was just a party. It really was. And it, it just, you could feel it in the air. Uh, people chanting in the streets, that kind of great moment you have. I, I, took a picture of it because I wanted to remember it too. When you're walking towards an event with folks all around you that are also going there and that shared experience and the anticipation of what's to come, especially with how momentous an occasion it was, um, it was truly, truly exciting uh, beyond really the words that I had to describe it. Really solid seats. Max, I'm going to have to send you some photos after we're done here. Um, And they got the fireworks going. They got the music going, they got the crowd going, and you could tell that they were energized right from the kick. It wasn't even, it was a landslide contest. Jamaica had one chance and they possessed the ball a lot in the second half, but really showed nothing. Canada was purely dominant. They scored 12 minutes in. Kyle Laren, the all-time leading scorer in Canadian uh, men's national team history, pots the first one, and really from there, there was nothing Jamaica could do. Canada had all the chances. It was one-way traffic in the first half, and they score right before uh, the end of the first half. And it was a party from there. Um, just cheering. I lost my voice uh, that that afternoon. And uh, people just hugging each other, screaming. Um, and when that final whistle blew, the place erupted, and people celebrated. And then it went very very quiet because we had to do the the viking clap which was super exciting and one of those moments where i had to put my phone away and just live in the moment you'll find enough videos of people in, in taking it in that yeah just so so fun um worth the cold worth the uh standing stood the entire game no one took a seat um jumping around freezing cold beverages that warm the soul and I couldn't have had it any other way it was really awesome I had a great time and so so cool to be a part of history where Canada they they booked their ticket 
They're going to Qatar. I was looking at flights last night in a moment of uh, just craziness. I'm probably not going to go. Probably, right? Maybe, maybe probably, surely. <laughs> but uh, really, really exciting. And it, this is just the beginning, right? Of an adventure that's going to go now. And then they're going to get in in four years with a with a host ticket and this is just the beginning of a golden generation in Canadian soccer. And it, and it really came to the forefront yesterday, a dominating win and they can rest up against Panama and make sure that their guys are ready. Cause November is going to come a lot sooner than you think. And they only other time they went, they didn't get a single point uh, in any of their matchups. So we're hoping to put out a better performance than that. And especially with the fact of them maybe finishing first in CONCACAF, they'll get a pretty solid pool. And who knows, maybe we could see Canada uh, into the elimination bracket at the World Cup. It's crazy to think, and we're way ahead of ourselves, but so, so, so exciting. Yeah. You have a favorite moment from someone in the crowd. <laughs> a favorite moment from someone, well, when it got near the end of the game, we had a, there was a ton of crazy drunk old white dudes, right? That's yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of British dudes, surprisingly, like a oh. lot of accents in the crowd. It was surprising. Um, but one of the really cool moments I had just with someone near me is there are a couple of kids all bundled up in blankets. And as the game got close to the end, people had their flags out and one of the guy was holding it and let the kid hold up the other end. And, they were sharing that moment together. It was, <laughs> there was a shirtless dude banging on the drum in minus 15 degree weather. Like, boy, <laughs> yeah, the, the crazy Canadians were out and there was so many moments to take in. Um, just had a great time. And I went with a couple friends and just turn into your buddy and having that shared experience is That's what we live for, right? That's what you live for. Love to hear it and can't wait to hear more about it. But for now, maybe the next game won't be the biggest event <laughs> in Canadian soccer history. Yep. No, but what it will allow us is to get to see some of the guys who don't get regular minutes throughout this World mm. Cup qualifying run. Really excited to see the likes of Ismail Kony, Ike Ugbo uh, getting some reps now because they have no reason not to play those guys and let them get the minutes against some pretty high class competition um, and rest up your big guns because obviously they've got a ton of club to play over the summer. But like I said, you want this team in full fitness. Uh, that's why Alfonso wasn't here, bought his Jersey at the game. Uh, yeah. So I will be rocking that come November. I could go on and talk about it all day, but we do got to keep the timelines a little short. Um, we got some tennis talk, a little bit of hockey, and a little bit of basketball to round out the rest of this pod. Probably be some quick hitters here, Max. Uh, let's move away from BMO Field down to a much warmer climate in Miami. And uh, what's been going on there? Yeah, they say one door closes, another door opens. That seems to indeed be the case for Canadian sports this week. As uh, very disappointing from Denis Shapovalov and Felix Auger-Aliassim both getting eliminated in the second round of the draw, um, both their first match of the draw. So March, a tough month for Canadians on the ATP Tour. 
Um, moving along, the other really big shocker in the second round is Nick Kyrgios, um, who had a great run at Indian Wells and played a fantastic match with Rafael Nadal. Takes out uh, Rublev, <clears throat> who, after a really strong February, is kind of in your top three to be winning draws right now, especially this draw with uh, Nadal out. But he takes him out 6-3 and then 6-0. That's, like, guys, if you lose 6-3 and then the next set is, like, 3-0 and the player withdrew, you kind of knew there was an injury that twisted the first set. But 6-0, like, I was talking to my tennis friend the other day about Nick, and she was just saying, like, he doesn't have that comeback ability. Like, once he's out, he's down and out. But from the moment the gates go he comes out swinging and you've got to fight tooth and nail to put him in this position and rublev kind of similar like once he's out he is out and in this case Kyrgios comes out on top ahead uh he's continued to win in the third round so he'll see yannick sinner the italian in the fourth round it's this is a guy who is not a wild card seed his like tennis playing ability puts him for sure in the top 20 and he there was actually a really great clip talking about his friend and doubles partner who's also still going in this draw uh Kokinos. they won the australian open together and he was just talking about how happy he was to see him happy he was like i don't care that he's winning i care that he's happy and like that's the difference you really see and that mentality means he's never going to play in the number of draws nick that is to that he needs to get his seating to reflect what his level is and that's going to lead to some tougher matchups for him being more out of shape and out of rhythm but when he's playing and playing well and not being a total douchebag the tour is just a more fun place and i am here for it so curios sinner should be a fantastic matchup a lot of those to go around either in the fourth round or in the fifth. Um, most of the names I rattled off other than Canadians still going strong. Daniel Medvedev off into the fourth round. Hubert Herkaz, the pole into the fourth round. Carlos Alcaraz continues to just have his coming out party. This kid is really something special. Uh, that he should have a really fun fourth matchup in Pass, who has taken out Dimenauer, uh for the last match of the third round. Fritz, your Indian Wells winner, moving along. Casper um, uh, Rudd, Cam Norrie should be another fun one. And then at the bottom, Alex Zverev will play the aforementioned Tanasi Koki Kokinakis. That was nowhere even close uh, so onto the fourth round of the miami open most of your top five big dogs still chomping at the bit nick kyrgios a fun wild card in there things really getting close and interesting as the draw pools up better next better luck next time canadians uh, more tennis talk next week as the open fit wraps up in five days so i guess sunday Thursday and Sunday, we got two more pods left as that goes on. Talk some hockey for me, oh. Yes, sir. A uh, couple of games over the weekend for the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
Um, and of course, in Maple Leafs fashion, they lose the game they should win and win the game they probably should lose. Uh, putting up good performances in both games, to be honest, like they should have won that Montreal game out shooting them 50 to 21. Um, now, not all of those shots were high danger scoring chances. Um, so the shots are a little bit inflated, but it seemed like the Leafs team did control a lot of the possession and just couple bounces one way and they they couldn't find their guy in in the defensive zone and Montreal was able to capitalize and Cole Caulfield man since Marty St. Louis has become the head coach of the Canadians I think he's now like right behind Bunting in the Calder scoring race and wow. like hadn't really cracked he was five in the points AHL until, at the start of the season yeah hadn't really cracked five points until January so he is absolutely buzzing right now he had a beautiful snipe uh, on the power play and um, while they lose that game in Montreal on Hockey Night in Canada, they do come back the next day against Florida. And Peter Mrazek gets another solid performance now. That's two in a row. That's the best kind of two streak he's now had so far in his tenure as a Leaf. Uh, and they go out and beat the number one team in the East, in the Florida Panthers. And the Panthers an absolute wagon. Acquiring Sherratt and Giroux just adds to this absolutely loaded roster. And they were looking to be the first team from since like the eighties to score over four goals a game, uh, like to average four plus goals a game in an NHL season. And the Leafs were able to hold them to two, which is really impressive from a team that's not necessarily known for its defense, but Mark Giordano has been a fantastic calming presence um, already showing off the value that he's bringing to this team. And I've actually really liked what Colin Blackwell has p- provided as the other guy in that trade. Um, he's about my height, 5'7", uh, but he's got a bit of a nasty side. He throws the body around. I think he surprises some dudes with how he can lay the lumber despite his diminutive stature. Um, but he works hard and he's another penalty killer to add to the rotation. And this Leafs penalty kill has been remarkable all season long. Uh, of course, Pierre Engvall and Ilya Mikheyev heroes in the game against New Jersey, but they do a great job killing it. And David Camp is like the most reliable penalty killing center the Leafs have had since maybe, I don't even know, 2014 when they had a, oh, it's know escaping me now. Yeah. yeah. He went to the Hurricanes <laughs> after Mick something. Yeah. I know Mick, I, I don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. That shows you how long it's been that even we're forgetting and we're supposed to have good memories. <laughs> Mick, Mick, Mick. It's going to kill me if we don't get this. Oh my God. Is it <laughs> cheating to look it up? I feel like it is. You keep thinking about it while I move on here. Uh, <laughs> and it was also great to see John Tavares get a really great game. Um, two power play goals. The curl and tuck was a nice one to put it away. And Austin Matthews adding an empty netter. Uh, after Dreisaitl had a hat-trick in the crazy 9-5 victory for the Calgary Flames in the Battle of Alberta, that game, those two teams are flying out there. And uh, a poor performance from Koskinen allowed the Flames to walk away with a nine-goal performance. And so Dreisaitl had tied Matthews, but Matthews get an empty netter. Hey, they all count. And that's a uh, career high now in goals for Austin simply because he hasn't experienced a full season now in a couple of years, but he's well on his way to 50. And I think if he continues at the pace he was on at 
just around the all-star game, he has a legitimate shot to maybe crack 60. Um, but that's not the goal. The goal is the heart. The goal is make it to the playoffs, home ice advantage. The Leafs, I think, are 24-7-2 and two at home. So it would be really nice if they had home ice advantage um, because it seems like they perform quite well there. And they are in an absolute dogfight with Boston and Tampa now uh, for that two seed in the, in the Atlantic and that all-important second playoff position rather than going – to Tampa or to Boston, or if you end up in the wild card to Carolina. And none of those are appetizing, but there's no easy team here in the East this year. The Washington Capitals are the eighth seed and they are just as loaded as any other team as well. So it's the East is there's no easy out there in the first round. And so you're gonna have to beat a good team, no matter where it is. You just probably hope to have four of the seven games on your home turf. Jay McClement. Yep. That's it. Hey, well done Thank well you, done sir our, <laughs> our reputation of having good memories was on the line i couldn't let it down yeah it definitely was <laughs> all right that's talking hockey we'll finish up with some basketball here and the team that the raptors are up against as we speak uh they currently lead 78 to 77 with two and a half minutes in the third quarter the boston celtics who we have not touched on um on this podcast because they were 23 and 24 at one point that was their record they have gone 24 and 4 in their last 28 games and lead the league by a very wide margin in defensive rating this is a team that just they found the right combination something clicked Ime Udoka has instilled this tenacity and snarl into this team that they've been lacking the last couple of years. They were a bit of a pushover team, and many people had talked about that. And this Boston Celtics team, they play with a hunger and a don't-give-a-crap attitude, and, and they want to go beat up on teams every night. And their average margin of victory the last month or so has been like 20 points. They are just killing teams they are blowing them out they beat minnesota by 22 the other night they beat utah by 30 like they're just dominating teams and they were the one seed heading into tonight after their remarkable run at one point the raptors were ahead of them in the standings uh but they do lose robert williams the third to a torn meniscus for several weeks that means they won't get him back till deep in the playoffs if they're able to make it there and that was huge because this has been talked about on a bunch of podcasts, but Udoka really unlocked the defensive potential of Williams by not putting him on the center and playing more of a zone coverage scheme where he starts guarding the guy in the corner and then has this almost rover-like optionality to go and protect the rim and, and force the other four guys to really chase dudes off the perimeter towards him. Rather than guarding the pick and roll or any of the action on the perimeter, he can be put on the other team's power forward and uh, kind of chase dudes around and defend the rim. And he has made some simply ridiculous plays. He makes some uber athletic blocks and has really unlocked the rest of their team because when guys feel a little bit more comfortable 
uh, that they have a rim protector behind them, then they can be more physical and take some more chances on defense. And that's what these guys do best. Marcus Smart, of course, has been a perennial all-defensive team guy. And then you add in the defensive upside of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. It's always been there from them with their length and their lateral quickness. And then Derek White is a really solid defender as well there. Grant Williams has found a great role as a small ball five or guarding the other team's wings. Um, this Celtics team has really put it together and it's shown in a big way. So we definitely had to shout out the progress they've been making, but Raptors got to win this one tonight with three starters out plus Al Horford, not in the lineup. So we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that game as it goes. The other team that has not got enough love, even though I picked them to win the West at the beginning of the year is the Phoenix suns. They are 61 and 14. And they are on the precipice of being a historically great regular season team here. If they can kind of eclipse that 65, 66 win plateau, that really puts you up into the conversation of some of the greatest regular season teams in history. And it's a team that now has continuity. It's another team that plays with attitude. Uh, and Devin Booker has been getting some MVP buzz as of late. I, I don't think he's going to end up anywhere near the MVP, but I think he could end up on a lot of people's top five ballots. Uh, because that is in the MVP, the, the top five players end up on that ballot. And that is important when you look back historically. Um, and he's been awesome. Even with Chris Paul out for a stretch, he has dominated. And, and it all started when the Toronto Raptor was <laughs> making faces at him with no one in the stands. <laughs> it really started his run from there. And uh, interesting stat today, he is past Kawhi Leonard in all-time scoring. How much younger he is was he? Five? Five years. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> now that's because wow. the first three or four years of Kawhi's career, he was basically a defensive specialist. Mm -hmm. And then the last three or four years, he's missed half the games. So it's yeah. understandable why, but it was just kind of a shocking stat when I saw that. Devin Booker's still only 25 years of age. He's one of seven players to ever score 70 in a game. Uh, he did so against the Boston Celtics. I think it was five years ago now in his second year in the league. Um, he's a bucket getter. And these other guys have been fantastic. Mikel Bridges up for probably defensive player of the year. He's going to be a nominee. DeAndre Ayton, the perfect guy in the modern NBA to be your mobile big rim protector, but also guard out on the perimeter. And then Cam Johnson has been awesome. Cam Payne, JaVale McGee, Bismack Piombo, they've gotten something out of Landry Sham at Jay Crowder. And then of course the ringleader, Chris Paul, they've all, done so well and they're so connected and Monty Williams I mean I he should have won coach of the year last year when I picked him if not he must win it this year like especially if they hit 65 with he wins there's no way he doesn't win it even with some of the other great coaching that has gone on this year yeah there's a lot of trophies um where I think there's an overvaluing of the number one seed but coach of the year come on I I think um <laughs> Pacer, or excuse me, not the Pacers, the Grizzlies, really the only team you can make a counter argument just for, because I think we both had Phoenix pick to finish number one, mm -hmm. and they're exceeding that expectations on the cusp of this all time season for sure. But the Grizzlies just as shocking in their yeah. season blowing out, and so Absolutely. much of it done without Jaw. 
a couple other coaches you could really throw in the mix there besides Taylor Jenkins and Monty Williams would be uh, Ime Udoka from yeah. Boston with the season that they've been able to turn it around. I think up until this last stretch, J.B. Bickerstaff in Cleveland would have been in that conversation as well, but just with injuries and the way they've fallen down the standings a little bit, that's tough. And then the other guy that's been thrown out there is Ty Lue. Um, with a B squad in LA, somehow this Clippers team is in a playing spot and a lot of buzz this last week. Paul George looks to be back any day now. And with the lack of news surrounding Kawhi Leonard, who knows, could this team be full fledged with Powell, Kawhi and Paul George back right in time for the first round. Imagine being the Phoenix Suns and having this historic season and your first round opponent is a fully healthy Clippers team that probably would have gone to the NBA finals last year, if not for Kawhi's injury. Um, Crazy stuff. The West could get loaded all of a sudden. Um, And that's minus LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers who are now in dire, dire straits. They have the second highest strength of schedule remaining in the last seven games, and they are only one game up on San Antonio without the tiebreaker. And it is a very real and very likely possibility that we will not even see the Los Angeles Lakers in the play-in. Anthony Davis was back on the court, but I don't even think they can save. He can save the team at this point. They blow a 20-point lead to the Pelicans. LeBron's been putting up his points, but feels pretty empty now without the results. And I thought a couple weeks ago when they had three and a half games of cushion that there wasn't going to be a team that catches them, but they have to play Denver twice, Phoenix, Golden State. Um, They are in trouble, man, and it's crazy. We're going to have LeBron James miss the playoffs twice out of the four years that he spent in Los Angeles having after not having missed it in all of his previous seasons before that. Yeah. And that time, father time comes for everyone. It, it's just with the points he's putting up in this moment it, or in this season, it's hard to make that argument right now. Um, league in scoring. Yeah. Yeah making the first year he arrives in LA it's not a team he's had much say in and it's understandable um this team from by all reports will never know what goes on behind closed doors in phone calls in text messages unless someone wants to leak them of course um how direct a hand he had in the construction of this roster but the LeBron haters are going to love this legacy mark. And I don't know when, like when we were doing our picks for this season, neither of us had the Lakers particularly high or were particularly on the hype train of best team in the West. We recognized this roster for what it was, but we also thought there was no way Anthony Davis and LeBron James would let this team fall that far. Um, so kind of exhilarating to watch in free fall. I am still holding my breath. I, I just, I don't know how much more you can do if you're LeBron. And I just don't believe Anthony Davis can get healthy for a significant stretch of time at this point. I mean, they only need him for the last seven games of the season just to get yeah. into that play in. But I mean, the way San Antonio has been playing, Jakob Pertle, our boy, Jakob Pertle. 15 points a game, 10 rebounds a game, 
three assists, two blocks, shooting 65% from the field. Our boy is taking a leap and becoming the superstar center that we always knew he could be, the Austrian hammer. Shout out my boy, Pirtle. <laughs> okay, on that incredibly niche NBA note, uh, we'll wrap up there. And, and uh, in March Madness, just a quick checkpoint here. Arizona and Gonzaga, two one seeds go down. Gonzaga once again. Uh, now the fifth time they have been the one seed and not made it to the final four, uh, which is tied with Oklahoma for the most times that has happened. Chet Holmgren uh, in foul trouble and just couldn't figure out the schemes uh, that were being run. And I mean, he's going to be great in the NBA, but a tough look for him. Uh, also tough uh, for Jambari Smith going out. So now our only top three pick remaining is Paolo Bencaro as the Duke Blue Devils take care of business against Texas Tech. And they set up a date with UNC, the last team to beat them uh, in college basketball here before the tournament. And it was Coach K's last game in Duke and UNC came and beat them. And now Duke gets a chance for revenge to make it to the final of the NCAA tournament, uh, it was either UNC or the Cinderella story in St. Peter's, but North Carolina takes care of business, a three seed versus an eight seed on one side. And then on the other side, a one seed and a two seed between blue blood J Kansas and then uh, new blood or really successful team in the last 20 years, Villanova, who always seem to perform well in the tournament and have a title to their name in the last five years. So, uh, a really blue <laughs> and a really exciting final four here um, for the, the core fans of the sport. It's a little bit boring, the, the, the some historic programs, but there's lots of story lines for the media to eat up. And I'm looking forward to these games next weekend. The final four is one of the greatest stages in uh, all sports and college basketball is fantastic to watch this late in the year. The moment we remember from last year's Jalen Suggs game winning buzzer beater against UCLA. We'll see if we have another moment like that. Maybe another top pick in Paolo Bancaro could make something special happen. So looking forward to that. Uh, and that is going to do it for this one. Thank you everyone for listening. We appreciate it. And uh, as I try to find the last words here, as my voice has taken a hit, I'm not sure if you can tell over the airwaves, but um, yeah, it's great to see you again, Max. And I hope you have an awesome time at your concert tomorrow. A uh, couple of awesome things for us to look forward to this week. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to taking it easy the next couple of days and recuperating before we go through another big sprint on the sports calendar. I'm just looking forward to the other half of a pizza that's sitting right in front of my eyes. Nice. So on that note, Sports Next Door signing out. <laughs>